Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. I see where home helps still haven't had their 1,000 euro. This is scandalous. I think it was around the 19th or 20th of January, maybe even earlier than that, that I spoke to Michael McGrath here. We spoke again in April about it. And here we are on the 29th day of September, and so many people still haven't had their money. Now, I know that we're going to talk budget, and I know we also have uh, some breaking international news Uh, with regard to the Nord Stream Pipeline uh, Minister, Simon Coveney, who joins me on the opinion line now. But but just take that one up, Simon, if you would, please, as a member of the government. It was announced in January and thousands of people still haven't had their payment yet. Why? Good morning. Well, they should have had their payment. I mean, that's all I can say on that. Um, And, you know, the, the, the majority of people who were promised that... Um, solidarity payment, if you like, post-COVID, uh, should have got it by now. And if they haven't, uh, the system isn't working quick enough. What um, can the government do to make sure it does? Well, well, I mean, first of all, I'll follow up on it directly because I, I wasn't aware that they still hadn't had that payment. Um, and, um, you know, it's um, it's not good enough that, um, that you know, people who were expecting to get uh, a payment for extraordinary work uh, and sacrifice during during COVID haven't got it yet. Um, and all I can say is that, you know, the system should be working faster than that when we make a commitment. The whole point of a solidarity payment is to give people recognition, uh, not to frustrate them uh, in terms of having to wait uh, for far too long for that payment. So it's, it's, it's something that I'll, that I'll follow up on and we'll try and get paid as quickly as we can. Okay, thank you for that. Now, you've got some breaking news from the EU this morning. I think you've had a, a briefing, yourself and your foreign affairs colleagues around Europe have had a briefing on the situation at the Nord Stream pipeline. Very important, of course, Simon. What do you know? Yeah, I mean, look, this is an extraordinary situation. I mean, we have basically the main pipeline that has taken gas from Russia into the EU uh, coming through the Baltic Sea um, has has effectively been blown up uh, in certain, uh, in at least uh, two, if not three locations. Um, so um, the issue is going to be raised at the UN Security Council. We'll be speaking on it uh, either today or tomorrow. Um, but no one seems to know who's responsible for this um, and people are be, being very careful as am I uh, in terms of who gets the blame. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Is there a you know, list th- of suspects shall we say? Well look I mean there's a war going on in Ukraine uh, so obviously there's, there's uh, suspicion uh, as regards 
who may um, want to uh, uh, to to disrupt gas supply into the EU. Um, but I mean, you know, I mean, some people have um, you know have looked at Russia, uh, but I think it's too early to to say definitively who's responsible here. It's not even possible to go down with cameras and and examine the pipe because the pressure in terms of gas um, uh, blowing out of the pipe is still so strong, so it's so dangerous. But look, I mean, that will happen in the next few days. Uh, We'll have a clearer picture as to the kind of explosives that were used. If it can be ascertained who did it, will they be named by the EU? Oh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, this, this is this is you know, key infrastructure for the EU, you know, um, now, even though we are, um, because of sanctions, dramatically reducing um, the the amount of gas and oil coming from Russia into the EU um, because of their aggression in Ukraine, uh, this is still a, you know, a really important piece of, of, of um, uh, submarine infrastructure. Um, and it's also built, by the way, to withstand earthquakes. And so, like, this isn't an accident. You know, this has been... This has been targeted by a very well-resourced and sophisticated uh, country or group of people. Um, and so at the moment, um, people are being very cautious. Uh, countries haven't uh, pointed to anyone in particular in terms of blame, but I think that will change in the next week or so. Um, uh, and, you know, it's just a, another example, of, of course, of the instability in terms of geopolitics across the continent of Europe at the moment. How, how, how this bothers Mick and Mary at their breakfast over their toast, uh, Minister, yeah, is will this make my energy prices even worse? Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the key issue. You, you know, the, the, otherwise it's just me talking theoretically about foreign policy and security concerns. But the truth is, every time there's significant disruption to a, a supply line for, for energy sources, whether it's gas or oil or petrol or diesel um, uh, or whatever, uh, then that has a disruptive impact in terms of energy prices, which means, of course, gas becomes more expensive, oil becomes more expensive, your petrol, your diesel does too. So, I mean, we are... Somebody's weaponizing our energy, Simon. Well, look, I mean, you know, one of the reasons why the government has been so cautious, um, both in recent years, but also even in the budget this week, uh, to, to make sure that we put some money aside uh, in case there are further crises that we have to deal with is because of this kind of thing. You know, we are, we are living through a war on our continent at the moment where millions of people have been displaced, where energy supplies into the EU have effectively been cut off from Russia, which, uh, and, you know, a significant portion of Europe's energy came from Russia. Uh, and all of this disruption is, is making um, uh, it very difficult for households uh, mm-hmm. to know what their energy bill is going to be uh, in the months ahead. So that's why we've put 2 billion euros into a reserve fund this year. We're going to put 4 billion in next year mm-hmm. to make sure that if we have to help households even more beyond what's been done in the budget yeah. uh, in the last few days, that we have the money to do that. We, we uh, have three 200 yeah. euro credits put, put back into, put into the budget now for the next six months, which will hopefully get people through uh, this winter. There's an argument constantly made as to whether uh, it should be capped. There's a for and against argument there. We've had that. Do you think we'll need no, more no, credits? I'm capping, PJ. Just, I mean, I, I can understand that argument, right? I mean, there's something very... 
uh, attractive about the government saying, look, your energy bills aren't going to go above a certain figure yeah. uh, and, and the government will pay the difference beyond that. The problem with that and, and the reason why very, very few countries uh, across the European Union are looking at that and the ones that are are only looking at a partial cap, the reason for that is that you're essentially giving a blank check to energy companies to say it doesn't matter what you charge, the government's going to pay. And this is the people's money. You, but you they know, still have that blank check anyway these uh, days. Uh, well, they don't, really. Uh, um, so, so, I mean, what, what we're saying is we have to know how much we're committing so that we don't overexpose the country uh, to money that we, that we haven't planned for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, I mean, I think we have a responsibility to do that. If, if energy prices continue to increase in a way that's not expected and we have to do more, we will have the money to come back and do more to support households, and we will if we have to. So, so you're, um, saying, you're saying you, that there could be more credits if they're needed next year? If, absolutely. So, I mean, if, if, if households and people need help from government, they'll get it. Um, and, um, you know, we had a, a, an 11 billion euro budget this year. You know, that is way, way beyond uh, what, uh, what would normally be the case in any budget. Um, but that was justified. But we're one of the very few countries that has done that without extra borrowing and with a surplus and putting money into a reserve fund so that we can do more next year if we need to. So we're trying to be as supportive as we possibly can be for, we, for, for families that we know are under pressure, for businesses that we know are going to be under pressure through the winter. But we also have a reserve in case we need to come back and do more. And I think that's the responsible thing to do mm. rather than promising the world now without, without knowing how much it's going to cost, which is what some of the opposition parties have been doing. Okay. Were you satisfied with your day's work when you went to bed the other night after the budget, Simon? Well, look, I mean, I think, um, you know, I mean, every politician in the country should know, because they're not doing their job if they don't, uh, how much worry and concern there is out there in households. You know, a lot of parents uh, looking at their electricity bills at the moment, looking at their gas bills, wondering how they're going to be able to pay those bills in the months ahead as they need to use more heating and, and so on. Um, and so what we had to try to do uh, was to at least give people some certainty that the government was going to give them um, uh, 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 more money to try to deal with those bills in the months ahead. And so, you know, 600 euros towards the cost of household bills, I think, will be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't solve the problem entirely. And if we have to do more, as I say, next year, we will. And, um, and you're putting the money aside to do it. And we're putting the money aside to do it. But we've also tried to, to make sure that, that everybody is getting some help in this budget. So, you know, if you look at the independent analysis of this budget, the people who are on the lowest incomes are the people who will see their their net income increased the most as a result of this budget. But yeah. we've also put a, a pretty strong package next year in place for middle income earners. You know, the people who are, who are, who are working hard, who are on a, a reasonable but not particularly high salary. Mm. Uh, people who, who, who don't qualify for an awful lot of the supports in terms of thresholds. Uh, we have put a, you know, a big tax break in, in place now uh, for those people who are earning you know, in, you know, in and around 40,000 euros. Um, uh, to ensure that they're not paying at the higher rate of tax mm. until above that figure. They'll still do better, though, than someone on, on 25. Yeah, but, but, but there are lots of other supports for someone who's on 25. You know, that's why we've had lump sum payments 
in the context of the working family payment, uh, whether it's child benefit, whether it's paying for uh, for school books, um, you know, whether it's uh, fuel allowance. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, so there's a, you know, there are a lot of supports for people on low incomes, and so there should be. Uh, but we've also got to try to recognize um, that people who are in middle incomes are also feeling pressure at the moment. Okay. Uh, and, you know, Fine Gael in particular has been insistent on making sure that, that uh, people who are working hard, who want to do a bit of extra, uh, extra work to earn some more money mm-hmm. to sort of keep them covered financially, that they're not paying, you know, half of that extra income. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There is a thing, uh, and that's a, 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 an interesting question. If it is a thing that your salary isn't quite into that upper bracket, but your, your overtime would bring you into it, will it make it more worth your while to do a bit of overtime? Well, if you want to, yeah. And I think, you know, we want to give people the option to do that without punishing them by moving them into the higher tax bracket and taking back half their income in tax. Mm. I mean, that's, that's the reality. So, I mean, if you're earning, you know, uh, you know 35 or 38,000 euros and you decide that you want to do some overtime um, uh, and that moves you above 40,000, um, uh, 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 sorry, until this year, if you were earning over 36,800, you would have been paying the higher rate of tax, which is almost half your income. We've now moved that up to 40,000, which means that people who are earning sort of in the 30s uh, can now move right up to earning almost 40,000 euros if they decide to do so without okay. having to move into the higher tax band. And that, that you know, for, for lots of working families, for individuals will be worth about 800 euros a year, for a couple will be worth about 1,600 euros a year, you know, which is, um, uh, you know, which is a, a, you know, not a small amount of money yeah. given yeah. The, the pressures that families are under at the moment. Okay, I know our time is a bit tight. One or two more small things. The price of oil, and I've got a couple of messages in. As any Energy soars, continues to soar. The price of oil has begun to turn downwards. So why is energy still soaring? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think we are likely, by the way, in the in the weeks ahead to see to see oil prices come down a bit. Um, um, petrol, diesel, home heating oil. Um, we've also decided, obviously, not to not to allow the increases in carbon tax to actually result in petrol and diesel and home heating oil going up because we've reduced what's called the, the NORA levy, which essentially is, is, is counteracting carbon tax increases uh, to make sure that mm-hmm. that's not contributing to increasing prices. But, but I think there is a realistic expectation that, that petrol and diesel prices in the next few weeks will, will reduce not massively, but certainly uh, noticeably. And I think that would be a welcome change. And lastly, and this is one straight into your own uh, bailiwick, as it were, uh, Simon Coveney, as a neutral country, should we just keep our mouths shut about the Ukraine-Russia situation? Absolutely not. Um, you know, um, when, when one country invades another, um, when one country breaks international law, uh, is in clear breach of the UN Charter, um, when, when one country is essentially looking to annex part of its neighbour, uh, then I think that is not something you can remain neutral on. Um, uh, and sometimes neutrality means uh, effectively supporting the oppressor. Uh, and I am not willing, as a foreign minister or as a defence minister, to stay quiet uh, mm-hmm. when I see a military superpower, which is what Russia is, attacking its neighbour uh, and looking to uh, to to change international borders by force. Do you stand over uh, the Taoiseach's use of the words "rogue nation"? Yeah, you know, I can understand uh, the use of that language. Um, um, you know, my job is to make sure that, that Ireland's voice is heard internationally. That's why we campaigned to be on the UN Security Council where, you know, decisions on war and peace are made. Uh, and we're privileged to be around that table at the moment. Uh, and, you know, I don't think it would be acceptable for us to be quiet uh, because these are difficult, awkward debates, you know. And that's why last week when I was in the Security Council, you know, I very much called out Russia's behaviour, despite the fact that their foreign minister was there listening. Um, I think that Ireland needs to be a consistent, strong voice internationally. uh, And our guiding principles are based on international law. Um, You know, we don't want to quarrel with Russia. But, uh, but we will certainly call out their behaviour in this instance as brutal, as illegal, and as totally unacceptable. Uh, and that's why we've supported sanctions and we'll continue to. That's why we're helping Ukraine to defend itself. So far, we've made 55 million euros available to help the Ukrainian military. We don't provide them with lethal weapons, but we do provide them with um, yeah. Yeah, funding for uniforms, helmets, body armour, uh, nutrition, medical yeah. products, and that kind of thing. And you so, see, at the same time, the one, and I know it's probably the stinger at the end, but we've got families looking for services for kids with a disability, can't get them, and we're sending money to Ukraine. That doesn't sit yeah. well with people sometimes. Well, well, let me just explain why that's important. You know, we have 50,000 Ukrainians in Ireland today who have been fleeing war. Uh, I know many of them and have met them. Um, and we have to show solidarity with another European country that's under attack. Um, just like we expect solidarity from other parts of Europe uh, when we have difficulties or threats. Um, And that's what it is to be part of an international community. Um, We can't just leave it to somebody else to solve those problems. You know, Ireland is a wealthy, influential country. Um, uh, and uh, our voice needs to be heard. 
Um, one of the reasons, by the way, in this budget that we increased our overseas aid development by more than has ever been increased before. You know, my department will spend an extra 100 million euros, my Department of Foreign Affairs, mm-hmm. on, on supporting vulnerable people who have nothing in other parts of the world. We'll see the the overseas aid budget increase uh, next year by 177 million euros in one year. We'll spend 1.2 billion euros next year on helping people who have little or nothing, who uh, in some cases children that are starving, particularly in the Horn of Africa at the moment, because of uh, disruption to energy markets and food markets that they have no impact on whatsoever. And I think that's the right thing to do okay. uh, when, when, a, when an economy is strong. We're, we're contributing you know, huge sums of money to support our own people here. But we've also got to be generous internationally. That's what being a, you know, a sovereign country with international credibility is about. And my job as a Minister of Foreign Affairs and my job as Minister of Defence, by the way, you know, we'll see the biggest ever increase in the defence budget as well. You know, and so so anybody out there who's listening, who's thinking about joining the defence forces, you know, it's going to be a very exciting career okay. uh, in the next 10 years of growth, expansion of lots of new equipment. Um, and that is, you know, that again is part of being a sovereign state that has the capacity to defend itself and, of course, to make a contribution to peacekeeping in other parts of the world. So, okay. you know, Ireland, Ireland, of course, needs to look after its own people first and foremost, but we've also got to contribute to international peace and stability. If we don't, we see what happens. You know, wars in other parts of the world impact on the cost of living for our own people here in Ireland. So it's not just an investment to help people, which in my view is a moral obligation for any country that's wealthy, but also uh, it's about trying to ensure that we have stability and peace uh, across our continent which is good for, for homes in Cork and Carrigaline and, you know, and, and the communities that we live in as well. Okay. Foreign Affairs Minister Simon Coveney, thank you for your time. I know we've, we've gone over. Appreciate it, Simon. Cork's 96 FM.